Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. I can't explain to you the amount of nerves I had when the uh, tweets and texts started flowing in saying that the Red Wings had dropped another highlight video and that we were in it again. <laughs> I was like, oh no. Yeah, I don't, I don't, believe it or not, I typically don't go on Twitter that often. <laughs> and uh, when I have a show more under my notifications, I knew something was up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially in the off season, you're not really a... Uh phone guy no i didn't look into the camera when i was gonna get uh, clipped either so mistake by me they grabbed the most annoyed version of you <laughs> yeah they did me dirty but you know what no that's part of, that's part of being a professional you know they you gotta take those kinds of those jabs from time to time they did not do you dirty you were being a little whiny baby about to bring it and you just and i was the, right <laughs> and you fit into the highlight i'm package. the man of the people yeah and i was just expressing how the people felt i'm just happy that it wasn't like cider 2.0 this one was more raymond like it was all good stuff so yeah big side of relief unreal edit though oh yeah that yeah, was really good red wings media team continues to go undefeated that was i didn't know i was in it either and then i heard my voice i was like oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then i listened to the context and i was like okay how do you think we feel good for you yeah all right folks welcome to the winged wheel podcast our first episode post uh, the Debrinket night that was, we obviously recorded and uh, posted an episode immediately after the Debrinket trade and signing happened. So if you haven't listened to that, go do that. And uh, fun fact, that was the second episode we recorded that night. The first okay. one, straight to the podcast graveyard. Well, here to talk to you about all things Detroit Red Wings hockey, Alex Debrinket, Red Wings lines, uh, the world of the NHL, and lots more. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. On this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, we are going to be talking about Alex DeBrinket and how he's going to fit uh, into the Red Wings lineup. More details. Take a look at those lines and and see how things might shake out if you consider playing styles. We will be joined by none other than Ken Daniels, lead announcer of the Detroit Red Wings for Bally Sports Detroit, as he offers his insights into everything that's been happening in the Red Wings world, not just DeBrinket, but also the draft and free agency and more. And, of course, we're going to be talking about the Nate Danielson entry-level contract signing that happened today and giving you a timeline on Danielson's possible approach to the NHL, how soon that could come, uh, and then some other small updates around the Red Wings and the world of the NHL before jumping into overtime. Before that, I want to let you know that this podcast is proudly supported by our Patreon supporters, patreon.com slash Podcast. If you want to join the Dub Dub Club and go uh, above and beyond to support us, you get benefits like automatic... Uh, entry into all of our giveaways. Right now, we're giving away an Alex DeBrinket jersey on Twitter. So go to our Twitter page and uh, enter there. And if you're a patron, you're entered twice. The first one, automatic. Secondly, you're given access to our Patreon-exclusive uh, Discord, which is a fantastic community talking about everything from Red Wings hockey to the NHL to a pets channel to a foods channel to golf and everything in between. And you also get access to our Patreon-exclusive overtime bonus episodes, which record right after these main ones. They're a good time. We let loose. Have fun. Uh, Evan gives us all of his true feelings in a segment called Thoughts with Evan, which is usually he says, I have nothing, and then ends up talking for 10 minutes. It's a nice little tradition we have. So all of that and lots more uh, is part of what you get for supporting the Winged Wheel podcast on Patreon, patreon.com slash podcast. When Steve Eiserman said that Alex DeBrinkett told him 
that he had talked to Dylan Larkin about potentially being traded to the Red Wings over a round of golf. I went, ah, that's that's a bit from Evan. That's a planted bit from Evan to try to espouse the values of golf and how it can help the hockey world. And you're just trying to integrate golf more into this show. It's It was written in the stars. It was meant to be. Dylan Larkin, the captain of the Red Wings, doing some offseason work, planting, inceptioning that uh, idea in Alex Dabrinkit's head, talking about being traded to the Red Wings uh, over 18 holes. I love the chorus of, that's tampering, that's tampering, you're not allowed to do that, that's tampering, from fans, mainly Ottawa fans. And hey, look, if I was a Red Wings fan, I'd be annoyed by reading that too. But if you're surprised by players who are friends from other teams talking about oh, how sweet would it be if I got traded to your team? Or how sweet would it would it be if you got traded to my team? It happens all the time. This is the least circumvention type play of all time. Yeah. Anyhow, Alex Dabrinkit is a Detroit Red Wing. We knew that last episode. We know that now. It's just as exciting. Let's take a look at where he actually fits into Detroit. Now, Eisman did his press availability um, nothing really too crazy in there. He did say that it all kind of happened quickly with the trade and signing, which I thought was funny. <laughs> I, yeah, I made the same face, Brad. But in general, it was what we knew to be the fact the entire time Debrinkit wanted to come to Detroit. He didn't really have to pitch Alex Debrinkit on anything. Uh, that's all I was expected. Debrinkit, you know, said all the right things. He's wearing 93 in Detroit, so picking up the uh, mantle of a former Red Wings uh, hot goal scorer and Johan Franzen. So that was fitting. Also, his brother's birth year and 9 plus 3 equals 12, which is what he wore before. So that's that. In terms of where he's going to fit into the Red Wings, we did a little bit of this last episode, but uh, there's been a lot of conversation. I believe Max Baltman wrote a, a really good article for The Athletic Detroit where he gave his breakdown, and folks have been asking us, what's the actual insert going to be for Dabrinkit into this lineup and how does that affect other players like Lucas Raymond, David Perron and others? So in your mind, what's, what would you like to see and what's most realistic? At this point, I can't even speculate on what's most realistic because last year Lalone did not really have any prolonged periods of a super healthy team. So we don't know what his preferences are, whether it's to stack or balance. My preference would be to stack. Um, I I don't think the Red Wings have enough top-end talent to compete with other top lines around the NHL, but they have three guys who probably can. So to me, you default those three guys to that line, and then you match firepower with firepower. Because you've got Dylan Larkin, who plays such a good 200-foot game, he can definitely... Uh, pick up a bit of the extra defensive load for a guy who necessarily doesn't, like Alex Dabrinkit. And Lucas Raymond on the other side has a better 200-foot game than he gets credit for, so he'll definitely help out there. And you put those three together, and if we get the progression from Raymond this year, we expect from Lucas Raymond this year, that could be a dynamic line. Like a threat everywhere in the offensive zone and a threat in transition, which is... You know, something the Red Wings have been lacking for a while. Even when they had Bertuzzi, Bertuzzi wasn't great off the rush a whole hell of a lot. He'd pull out like one unreal move every like two weeks just to kind of keep us satiated with him in that part of the game. But the Red Wings have a ton of depth and they have enough depth to be able to cobble together a second line that, don't get me wrong, won't be good. 
by league average standards, but good enough to muddy the waters for the second and third lines they're playing against. You know, we saw Detroit, though there are many flaws last year, were able to stifle the other teams offensively regularly. So if you can have put together a top line that can then hopefully more often than not outscore the opponent's top line, that is a recipe for some wins. A lot of things have to go right, but we know that. Comfort can't uh, regress. Cop can't regress because they're going to have to carry the two middle pair lines. And I'm not even going to call it line two or three because I think however you shake down that middle six, they're going to be two very similarly talented lines. Mm -hmm. So when you have the ability to at least do that, yeah, stack the top line. Throw your power out there. I I understand the maybe concerns with stacking the top line, especially I think the way some folks have outlined it and, and I think Max outlined it is that's a lot of defensive responsibility and it might drag down Dylan Larkin's game to have him take up all those responsibilities. My concern is less for Alex Dabrinkit and more for Lucas Raymond. I've said time and time again, I, I think Lucas Raymond's impact on this team is potentially more important than any other players this season. It's a little silly to say when, you know, most siders on this team and you just brought in Alex to it. But what I mean by that is Lucas Raymond has so much headroom above him. He didn't have a bad year last year, but he needs to have a rebound year and take that big step in his progression. If the Red Wings are to surprise and play meaningful games into the spring and, you know, make it not crazy for us to be talking about a wild card spot come time uh, for 2024. Lucas Raymond has to be that guy. So I have no problem with him playing with on the second line. I think there's, you know, a great player can adapt to other line mates and play with, you know, less talented line mates. But, and this isn't a slight on Andrew Copper, JT Comfer. I think it's more risky to place him with them as opposed to the safety of Dylan Larkin to make sure that he has that strong year. Andrew Kopp really heated up as the year went on and has, as he got healthy after that core surgery and, and shaking off the rust and really getting back to 100%. And I think we saw more of Andrew Kopp's true game towards the end of the season. And so I'm really curious to see how he'll do centering potentially Lucas Raymond or others. So I, I don't want to say that putting Lucas Raymond on the second line is automatically a bad thing. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. But it does raise a little bit concern for me because I think he really, really, really needs to have a strong year if Detroit's fortunes are going to go the way that they need him to. Yeah, I'm not really... I haven't really decided if I how strong of a case I want to have for putting Lucas Raymond bolt-on first-line guy. Obviously, we know him and Larkin have strong chemistry. You know, training camp's going to give you a lot of ideas on sort of how guys are kind of meshing together. Maybe him and Dabringa don't play well together. There's always that. Yep. I'm a strong believer in seeing some David Perron on the first line, too. He's got that veteran presence. Certainly not the fleetest of foot anymore, but that's what you know Dylan Larkin can help out on with on that line. And he's a, he he produces. So I personally am not torn between David Perron or Lucas Raymond on the top line. I think a lot will be determined in training camp. The chemistry part of it is what's right. Like it. It, it's what throws away so much of the speculation from the talking heads, read us, uh, ahead of training camp. That's all going to be decided in those couple weeks and in preseason. 
we've seen the most unlikely lines that you wouldn't put together because they're not, you know, the three best players. You're not playing uh, NHL 23 here. But you don't know that till they hit the ice. So, yeah, I think that's a good point, too. Don't lock yourself into any one line of thinking. Quite honestly, I think the bottom six is a little bit more interesting for Detroit in terms of the tough decisions that need to be made. Lalonde and Iserman haven't really shown anything but, in my mind, the right moves coming out of preseason in terms of who makes the roster and what the lines are. Look at the deployment that Raymond got in his first year, and that doesn't happen without Iserman's okay, and that was Jeff Blaschel at the time. And in general, they they tried to keep productive lines together. You saw less of a blender when Lalonde came in, and as Brad mentioned, it was only really due to injury or severe cold streaks that necess- that necessitated and resulted in any kind of shuffling of those lines. But the bottom six is going to be interesting. You know, the third line center is going to be one of Copper Comfer. The fourth line center, you know, barring Casper coming in and surprising is probably Valeno. But of Berggren, Sprong, Fisher, Costin, whoever else, there's going to be someone on the outs in this forward group. So... Obviously, injury will happen, and you never know what's going to happen between now and September, but that, to me, is another part of the lineup that's... I'm curious to see what they go with. Yeah, it's hard to pin down exactly what the optimal lines are and what Lone's going to be thinking. The one thing we did see a lot last year, and I think it was even referenced in one of his uh, media availabilities not that long ago, was that he likes that, like, heavy line that can... You know, Matt, that can play matchups. Mm-hmm. And when you look at what Eisenman did this offseason and with how excited he was, you, you can almost pencil that that third line will probably be Rasmussen and Costin centered by one of Copper Comfer. And, and they will be that matchup line because they're big, heavy, can skate, and can produce a bit of offense. So they that might be the ideal matchup line. Which then opens up a battle for, you know, the second line scoring wing spots between Fabry, Berggren, Perron, Sprong, whoever, and then whoever loses that battle, you're relegated to the bottom six. So a lot of options there. Don't know what I would prefer because, you know, I have a hard time putting guys like Fabry or Berggren on the fourth line, but it's going to happen. You want to see what Sprong could do in an elevated role, one would think. So you think they're going to give him probably a look with a bit of ice time. You know, he did outproduce, what, 80% of the Red Wings last year playing on Seattle's fourth line. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think we're going to see a third line that's going to resemble something very closely to what I was talking about with the big guys. And then I, I think it's all a blender on the two lines that surround it. If we don't get that top line that everyone's kind of drawing up right now with Larkin, Raymond, and Debrinkit, the power play is a good bet where they might, you'll you'll likely see them together. I'm going to link to Max's article here. He goes into a lot of detail, but, you know, Debrinkit, Larkin, Raymond, and then stick Perron in there or whoever else you want to be in there, maybe Rasmussen, and then one of Sider or Gossespierre in the back end. You really have a lot of option to overload that first power play, but for the first time in a while, I think Detroit really, truly, honestly, and not just us saying this is better than last year, I think they could honestly say they have enough offensive talent to have two serviceable power play units. I mean, like this could be league average, which is not much to write home about, but before Detroit was like, Hey, we're going to put all of our offensive talent on the first power play unit and leave them out for as long as we can. Cause this second unit does next to nothing. 
When you say league average, do you mean the Red Wings' power play percentage as a whole or specifically their second power play unit? Their second power play unit, knowing that's optimistic. Oh, that would be a miracle if they got up to league average as a unit. Uh, I still have... The top unit is going to be very good, especially with the Brinkett, that I think as a collective, we should see you know a pretty significant improvement from the power play. I don't know how much of that the second unit's going to be dragging along. Shane Gostisbehere is going to make a huge difference. That's there. what I mean, though. Like, yeah, between Gostisbehere, Sprong, Berggren, the the ingredients are there for a competent unit. Like, they won't be laughably bad like they have forever. Um, but I don't see them, you know, kicking any walls down or, or instilling fear in their opponents. Not at least not anywhere near the level that a Debrinket, Larkin, Raymond across the middle could. And how many teams actually play their second power play unit all that much? Like, you see the top teams, like, their number one power play is playing a minute 30 every single time. So, to me, it's not a—I mean, yeah, you want your second power play unit to chip in offensively. Like, you're not putting them out there just to go for a free skate. But to me, they don't have to be this world beater of a unit— you know, they chip in once in a while. They help keep the the power play average up there. I think that's all you really need to ask for them because the top line should be eating the majority of all the power plays. That was probably pretty optimistic for me to say the second power play unit could approach league average. The Red Wings were, were 17th in the league at 21.1%. So they came Honestly, that's way better than I thought they were. Yeah, they came in down the middle, essentially. So... For the second unit to to be that productive is probably asking a lot, but I do think in general it should help that, you know, if something gets cold on their first unit. You plug somebody new in. You don't, you, you know, you're not put, shifting all the weight to the second power play unit. You know, you can pull in a bear grin for a different look. You can switch outsider and, and Gostas bear. Maybe that opens up something different. Like, it's nice to have a little bit of depth to provide yeah. some different looks. Yeah. Yeah. And if we have an instance this year where Lucas Raymond refuses to shoot the puck from the right side, which he did for stretches of last year, uh, Daniel Sprong seems to be a pretty trigger-happy player, so you can always make that switch. And then Lucas Raymond on the second pairing, maybe you put him on his off wing, and that opens him up to be a little more, you know, uh, trigger-happy himself. Do you see any surprise players cracking the top six? And I, I just mean five on five here. Patrick Kane. <laughs> Go ahead. No, that... No, I'm just I don't know if that's real or not. Everything. Should I look at the camera? Yeah, go for it. Patrick Kane. <laughs> Clip that. I, outside of you know the centers, I think everything below Raymond and Debrink gets wide open on this team. I think we could probably pencil in Perron. Yeah. But literally pick any other winger on this team and put them opposite him on the second line, and I'm not even a little bit surprised. Rasmussen, Fabry, Berggren, I, I could almost guarantee we see all three of them in the top six at some point. Sprong. Sprong is another one. I am hesitant with Sprong. I really like the idea, but I still want to remember that he's a guy who played a, under 11 minutes, 30 seconds a game last night. There's not no reason at all for that. Seattle is a real is a much better team than Detroit, and so that will be part of it. But I think he's gonna, really going to have to... W- earn his way up the lineup. He doesn't have the pedigree of a guy who plays 17 to 18 minutes a night or, or anything like that. I would love to be wrong because I think it would be great to have a trigger man in the top six like that. Remember how last year Dominic Kubelik had significant stretches on the Red Wings' first line? Yeah, Sprong outproduced him last year. Or, yeah. was, or was at least in the same ballpark at worst. And I really like Kubelik's game. 
Yeah. And Kubalik was probably playing roughly 37 more minutes a game. <laughs> Before anyone goes and checks, yes, that is a joke. That top six, it's going to be the, the chemistry factor in here. And this all is just not even counting. What if Mazer makes it impossible to keep him off the roster? What if Casper makes it impossible to keep him off the roster? And we're not even talking about... Someone's got to get waived at that point, right? Well, you know, injuries are going to factor in. That yeah, in that's true. Forward, so you never know. Okay, there's going to be a lot of speculation about the lines as the offseason rolls on and we get closer to training camp. But for now... Why don't we jump to a quick break, and when we're back, we are going to be joined by Ken Daniels, lead announcer of the Detroit Red Wings with Bally Sports Detroit. Always great to catch up with Ken. He's going to talk to us about Alex DeBrinkett, the draft, uh, the free agency period, and lots more, also including the roast and toast of Thomas Holmstrom and Nicholas Lidstrom. So stay tuned, and when we're back, Ken Daniels. This episode is brought to you by Manscaped.com, the global men's lifestyle brand that's disrupting the beard market. Hockey and beards are synonymous, and if you followed us for a while, you know that Evan and I take great pride in our beards while Brad does his best Crosby impression. Now, finally, Manscaped is launching a beard trimming and styling routine. Now, what I have here is the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Your facial hair really sets the tone for the entire postseason, whether you're contending for the cup or sticking it to your old-school GM. The Beard Hedger Trimmer has a powerful 7200 RPM motor and titanium-coated T-blade that can cut through the thickest of hair in a single stroke. Whether you prefer a 5 o'clock shadow or a lion's mane, you can choose from 20 different hair cutting lengths with the zoom wheel that only uses one guard. The beard trimmer is waterproof, cordless, and rechargeable, so you can trim in the shower to save time and create less mess. Manscaped also created dermatologist-tested beard care products to help you grow and nourish a magnificent beard. The Beard Hedger Pro Kit includes the Beard Hedger, Beard Shampoo, Beard Conditioner, Beard Oil, Beard Balm, the Travel Case, and a free gift. To get all that and more, simply go to manscaped.com today and get 20% off plus free shipping when you use promo code WWP at checkout. That's 20% off plus free international shipping with promo code WWP at manscaped.com. Join over 8 million men worldwide, including us three, who trust Manscaped today. Ken, we're here for your victory lap. You were the first one to call Sandy and Pelica to the Red Wings. You did it on our show, so it's time for you to come on here and, and uh, you know, take that victory lap. I'll take the victory lap after I give you guys yours because I couldn't be more proud. You're like my children, for goodness sakes, and you could be, <laughs> uh, but you're too smart for that. Um, to be where you're ranked now, um, you know, among podcasts, I think that is wonderful and for what you've done for the foundation. So really proud of that and congrats for all you guys have done uh, for us and for Red Wing fans um, just the knowledge that you share, and we have to put Prashant in that too, and Max Boltman who comes along. So uh, wonderful to hear that news about all of you. And uh, certainly with Axel Sandin Pelica, when I said it first on yours, and then when the Red Wings, we knew, wouldn't win the lottery, and I did a piece uh, for Bally as soon as we were ninth, and I was, uh, you know, naming off a, a bunch of those who could be in that position. And the one that I remember saying is, I really love Axel Sandin Pelica. Uh, so at that point, too, I thought maybe the Red Wings, we all knew, needed a right-hand D, and they also needed help down the middle, obviously. So I thought, would that be nine and 17 defense first? I, I maybe thought so, but uh, obviously that they, they liked Danielson enough. And uh, any name that's Daniels and Son in it, uh, I love that for number nine. And I'm glad they got access to Andy Pelica and he was still there. That's perfect. And you know what? Because Mick got his prospect earlier with Red Savage right. and uh, Redmond Savage. So it's it's good that you both kind of have your your prospect to attach your names to there. 
And I'm, I'm really hoping that uh, Redmond Savage, if someday he makes the Red Wings, gets number 20. I, I put it out there before. Uh, a, let's hope, first of all, he makes the Red Wings at some point down the road, and then we'll worry about the number. But I think he should have a number 20. That's right. Well, Ken, thank you so much for the kind words. Uh, the support from you and those words coming from you means more than we can articulate, which is surprising because all we do on the show is talk. But folks, without further ado, uh, welcome to Ken Daniels, lead announcer for the Detroit Red Wings uh, on Valley Sports Detroit, and of course, uh, co-founder of the Jamie Daniels Foundation. Ken, I would like to ask how your summer's been, but it's it feels like summer just started now for the Red Wings media world. Yeah, it does. Uh, obviously, uh, following you know the draft, and then you get uh, the free agency, and they were busy there, and then you get the Debrinket deal. Yeah, it does seem now that summer's starting, and I'm thankful for you guys still uh, posting uh, podcasts because uh, it gives me something to listen to. There's so much out there that you don't have time, at least I don't during hockey season, to listen to everything. Uh, but it's great on the walks with Jack Daniels twice a day um, that I can listen to you guys. We do need to have a Jack Daniels feature on this uh, on the show later on, but uh, for now, let's start with the big news that everyone's talking about. Uh, Alex Debrinket, the deal that was kind of on the precipice for weeks and weeks and weeks. I laughed when Eisenman in his press conference said it happened quickly, and I just went, <laughs> "According to who?" Uh, but you know, Alex Debrinket finally comes home. Uh, the Michigan boy comes home to uh, his hometown team. The Red Wings get a goal scorer that they desperately needed. Walk us through your initial reactions of uh, just to bring it coming to Detroit and your thoughts on the trade itself. Well, the only folks happier than uh, I think that Red Wing fans were Alex's parents and to to be closer to his son, Archie. So I think when you could be, you know, near, near the grandchild, I think that mattered. And obviously that took uh, a lot of the uh, control out of the Ottawa Senators' hands in reality because uh, they knew that would be limited. And obviously Steve knew that too. And uh, you guys thought, as did I, that it may be a, a higher-end prospect, uh, Sobrango, could be uh, an NHL third pair D at some point and very strong, but in the list of where the Red Wings have defensemen, uh, he was well down that list. So to give him up and the first, and and that's how it goes back to, you know, the Bertuzzi deal and you have that extra pick and that becomes currency. So the trade was wonderful. Kubelik, I hope he scores 20 or 25 uh, for Ottawa this year, but, you know, pending UFA and likely if he was still with Detroit, he may have been traded at the deadline anyway. So I think the Debrinket deal, uh, for Alex, who will be 29 and can still hit it again is good. And if uh, he loves it here, as I would think he would, and, uh, the Red Wings still love him enough, um, the why not resign? So I just, I, I think it's great. Detroit lacked the score. And they've already had the depth from free agency. And now they get the score they so desperately needed that they didn't get uh, in free agency. And they're so tough to come by. Before we get into what Debrinket might do this upcoming season in Hockey Town, uh, the contract itself, you alluded to it there. It brings him to age 29 and buys, you know, four of his four best years that are upcoming. Were you surprised that it wasn't a seven or eight year deal and Eisenman actually got what he wanted with a shorter term? Not to say it's not advantageous for Debrinket, but... Yeah, and I, I know there was talk out there that that's what he wanted. And I know in his uh, news conference, when Alex spoke about it, he said four or five years and we came to four. So I was good with that. So the words six, seven and eight never came up. And I'm sure that Steve, who doesn't have those long term deals, didn't when you signed comp for, uh, for those years. And it wasn't six, seven or eight. And the same thing with cop. It wasn't that. So I, I obviously think when the cap is going up and where Debrinket is at in that time where the 
the Red Wings hope to progress in this window of Alex's deal to be there. And it's going to take a few years before you're really challenging to move on, whether it be the second round or the third round. All of a sudden, you've got even more money to spend uh, with the cap going up. So I think the term is right. Don't forget, if it was longer, then the term becomes different. And there's give and take on both sides. So I, I think the deal is outstanding to come in at under eight. And the four years, don't worry about it. If he loves it here, keep on going. Debrinkit is, you know, a bona fide forty goal scorer. Someone said, uh, "Drink every time the guys say forty goal scorer on uh, on last episode." And I, I suggest you don't do that; otherwise, you're going to have a short night. But uh, you know, he has scored forty before. Last season was a down season in Ottawa. Jo- obviously, Josh Norris went down. He played a lot of time with Pinto, so twenty seven goals, which is nothing to scoff at. Coming into a Detroit team that doesn't lack talent, you know, to give him the puck, but isn't exactly a high end talented team what are your expectations for for the cat in his first year in hockey town i would think 30 to 35 would be realistic and if he gets to 41 again and and done that a couple of times that's great a lot of that depends on health i think some of that depends on uh you know comfort with the playing time he had and with those around him in colorado uh put up decent numbers can he do that again i think cops year and starting with the the core muscle surgery that he had and, and started to come on i think it was effective and i think cops playmaking is underrated and we know how good david perron is on the wall and we think lucas raymond can have a bounce back so if all those things happen and then fabry is if he's recovered nicely it's all options where you can't just focus on a top line and that's what's so key so if that's the case and a power play improved uh with with goss despair on the back end and 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 cider I don't see why the numbers can't be 35 goals, but to say 40 again, it doesn't score 40. That's not good. No, that's not the case at all. Uh, um, him and his presence uh, could also uh, free up others that you can't just shut down one line. We said that before, uh, but now there's one, two, three, four. I said the other night on a video we put on, on Valley Sports Detroit, that the Red Wings conceivably uh, could have double digit goal scores on every single line this season. Doesn't sound like a whole lot, but the way the Red Wings have scored in the past, if you get guys on every line scoring 10, 11, and 12, and who knows the playing time Fisher's going to get, but maybe. And Clean Costin, I really like, and he's gritty, and there's no reason he can't be in double digits. Can Valeno be? But I think Valeno's the only one where you bubble and what do you start the season here? So I think that's pretty good, well-rounded offense um, and Daniel Sprong too. They've got a lot of options. Not that any of guys are big scorers, but if you get contributions from third and fourth lines, which before you were just hoping, and now you're thinking it can happen. Agree or disagree? Lucas Raymond and his improvement is going to be what drives uh, Detroit's success more than any other individual player on the Red Wings. I'd put that in there along with DeBrinket because he is so key. I put it in there along with Dylan Larkin being, again, a point-per-game player in his health. Um, I don't know where Raymond's going to be. Yes, if Debrinkets with Larkin and Perron is so good and you get some structure too and smarts on the other side and somebody's going to play their off wing. Boy, we didn't have any righties before. <laughs> now we got lots of those. So, yeah, I'm with you. I, I, and, and Cider to keep at that and take a next step too. I think there's so many, Ryan, that I don't think I'd put all my eggs in, in a Raymond basket. I really wouldn't. You, you hope for that, but I think there's so many others right there along with him that I don't think we have to rely on him to do it. 
that if he didn't, I think there were others now where if he didn't do it in the past, boy, they're going to struggle. And you saw it last year too. Not that he was bad by any stretch, but the numbers were down and the league starts to learn what you're about. And he has to now change his game a little bit. And he's going to learn some things from Alex Dabrinkit. And having played a season, we'll see what David Perron does. So maybe it frees up for him too. So, yeah, I don't think it's just Raymond having an outstanding season. I think it's many of them. But uh, I, I look for Raymond to improve on his numbers from last year. So you started to allude to the guys that the Red Wings brought in. So let's go over some of the uh, the bigger signings from free agency uh, just in order as they're listed uh, on Cap Friendly here. Daniel Sprong, James Reimer, Justin Hull, uh, Kleem Costin, Alex Lyon, JT Confer, Shane Gossespair, Christian Fisher. So those were the bigger names that came in. So what were your overall thoughts? Uh, let's start with, you know, JT Confer and, and Justin Hull, who were uh, five and three-year deals respectively, which uh, the Hull one especially kind of uh, surprised people. What were your thoughts on those two guys coming in? Well, if Justin Hall can be the next Larry Murphy... Um, we'll take that. A guy that uh, Toronto certainly had no use for, but the rest of the league did, including the Red Wings. And uh, Murph was great. For some reason, Toronto just likes a whipping boy. I, I saw a lot of Justin Hall, and I think he's capable, prone to mistakes. Sure. Uh, so is everybody. But I'm just looking at without the pressure of Toronto and in that spotlight of Toronto where the nerves are racked. And if you ever listen to the radio in Toronto and you know it and you hear it and you read about it, hopefully they don't. And it's everywhere uh, in Detroit will be an easier time for him and just have him settle in. And honestly, when I look at the, the Red Wing defense compared to Toronto defense, I think Hall will be just fine, in all honesty, except for Morgan Riley. I don't see Toronto's defense as world beaters by any stretch. So depends on usage and where he's going along with Sherratt and how Gostas Bear and how they're going to use it all. So I think Hall could be just fine here. It was a surprise signing for me, but I put trust in the Red Wings scouting staff and uh, Steve Eisenman, who obviously watched him uh, more than we did, uh, doing our 82 games and focusing on on what we're doing. As for Comfer, obviously had great talent around him. Uh, you're coming. I, I think really the Red Wings are trying to battle for Columbus for the best Wolverine team. I think that's maybe the way that they're working here. Um, but it's familiar surroundings uh, with Cop and Larkin. Uh, so I think Copper, uh, Comfer, again, it's, it's just a, a presence there too, and he can do it all. He can play wing, play center. He can get some power play, kill penalties. So very, very useful guy. And I, I don't mind the deal at all or term. They're not up against the cap. So why not, why not go for it? He wanted to be here. And that's important too. The Red Wings aren't necessarily a playoff team yet, although everything that they've done certainly drives them closer. Um, so the fact that he wanted to be here, uh, that means something too. Now, Shane Gossespierre also came over, and he's a guy who brings, obviously, offense from the back end. Everyone said that's one of your power play quarterbacks, if not your power play one quarterback, uh, someone who can play both sides. And, you know, folks are thinking, is he going to slot in on, on the second pair? Uh, were you surprised by the Shane Gossespierre signing? And, and how important do you think it is to kind of build that defense behind Mo Sider if he doesn't end up on the right side? Oh, really important. Uh, and especially for power play and what Gossespierre can do. And I remember the game we did at Mullet Arena because I can't forget that because what a fabulous place to watch a game. I don't know if Arizona is going to be there beyond next season, but I'm looking forward to going back there because we loved it. And uh, I remember and, and watching Christian Fisher too. Um, you noticed him and Gossespierre, you noticed him. And uh, I know I said to Ozzy and we were talking during one of the intermissions and we we talked about him and uh, he was he was prevalent. And you think, OK, it's, it's 
Arizona and where they're at and playing time, whatever. But I, 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 I think they're okay. And they made a lot of moves this offseason too, uh, to probably improve. But the way that he can move the puck and if you're going to struggle a little bit on the defensive side of things, okay. But I, I think what Shane Gossespierre can add offensively on a one year deal. I, I think it's great. I, it's, a, it's a good move and, and provides the depth and gives more offense on the back end and a guy who can move the puck. Certainly better than what they had and what they lost. I think Gosses Bear is a nice addition on a very short deal. Detroit's, uh, you know, short but exciting playoff hopes last season ended on that two-game stretch against Ottawa. We all know that. We all watched those two games where Brady Kachuk essentially bullied the Red Wings into submission uh, over those. It was just two consecutive back-to-backs. Now, do you? How much do you think that informs on Eisman being practically giddy bringing in a guy like Clem Costin when he got him for free from Edmonton? Well, they had to buy out Yamamoto's contract really to get his rights, and even bringing in some more a uh, productive depth in, in Christian Fisher, who you've alluded to. Do you think those games infor- informed on how Eisman kind of wanted to build out the Red Wings depth? I think so. I think when he saw it at the time, and we all saw it. I mean, he's he's watching the game. <laughs> you know, um, Clem Costin, I remember him being a first-round pick, and I know because at the time he was uh, an Eddie Meal client, and I had talked with uh, Eddie about him then, and he's no longer with Danny Milstein's group and, and off on his own. But I've known about Clem Costin for a while now, and he's he's got some grit to him, and he'll mix it up in a bigger body. And I think with an opportunity here, he could be a very underrated acquisition. Um, Yamamoto being bought out, okay. Uh, could he have played? Yeah, but now with what they've added in depth, I don't even think he would have been and, and had been injured quite a bit. So I like it. Yes, they took that on to uh, get clean costed. So obviously they liked him enough too. And uh, Sprong can be that way also. Daniel Sprong can be the, the same way that Costin is and Fisher's a big body. So um, yeah, you needed the size. Getting pushed around in Ottawa, that was an embarrassing two games, but that also led to what happened. Obviously, it changed the direction for, for Tyler Bertuzzi and, and Heronic and what they got out of it. So, and then you wind up with Pelica out of that. And, you know, the deal works in Bertuzzi and then Boston. And then you, you wind up with the deal they made and giving up the first round. So maybe it was the worst thing. I mean, there's no guarantee the Red Wings would have made the playoffs anyway, but it maybe told the Red Wings what they did need. They went out and got it, and the future maybe took a step ahead where if you hung in it for a few more weeks, you wouldn't have made those moves and maybe wouldn't be where we are now. So uh, let's look at that past as a good thing that happened those two games against Ottawa. So last question here about, you know, the team as it is now before we do a little bit on prospects. Uh, you alluded to it earlier in terms of what you think the, the Red Wings could do next season by way of uh, being competitive for a playoff spot. But as the roster is now, you know, assuming there's no Tarasenko or a big move in the pipeline, what do you think the Red Wings can do by way of being competitive for a wild card spot next year? Do you think it's in the cards or is this uh, is are they about where they were last season? No, I think they're better than they were last season. Last season, I thought they'd have 87 points. So I missed on that one. And I'll up my projection to close to 90. 88, 89, 90. Now, if others fall, and I don't think Boston's good, they're going to beat up on teams like they did, so there'll be points dispersed elsewhere. I think Buffalo will be better. Ottawa, don't forget, was right on the verge. Pittsburgh, I think, has improved, and who knows if Eric Carlson's going to be there. So it's so hard to say right now, and, and those teams that missed, right, they were right there. So, you know, I think Florida's going to be okay or better. So there's so many variables that come into it. It's not just what the Red Wings do. 
It really isn't. And then you've got that that Red Wing trip to Sweden. I know there's time before and time after, but how does that play into it and the games around it and being tired or not, or maybe that comes out great. So I, I think there's a lot of variables in here for this season, but are the Red Wings better than last year? Oh, hell yeah, I think so. But I also believe, you know, other teams have a say in this too, uh, just like they did last year when I said they'd have 87 points and people going, and even before those two Ottawa games, oh, playoffs, playoffs, they well, hang on a minute now. And not that the two Ottawa games, well, they ended up being the be all and end all, but uh, it was literally the end all actually. Um, but, you know, I, I thought, okay, maybe they're hanging, but I never thought playoffs were realistic. And again, that's not a shot at the Red Wings. It's the other teams in a very competitive Atlantic and a pretty darn good Metro. So, you know, does Tampa take a step back? Can you get more points from teams that you didn't last year? So I put the Red Wings upwards of 90. I don't think Toronto's going to have as many points as they did last year and the well in the hundreds. So does that fall back? The playoff picture fell back to what, 92? Where it had been 96, 98 before? I don't know how it's going to play out, but I think the Red Wings are legitimately in the chase if they're healthy this season. Okay, a look to the future. The Red Wings took uh, Danielson and Sandine Pelica, which you covered at the top of the interview. Uh, you know, they filled a need at center. They filled a need at right D now that Hronik's gone. Uh, obviously, you love Sandine Pelica's game, as, as you told us months ago. And then also considering all the prospects in the pipeline, they didn't lose any high-end guys in that trade. And so we we got to watch Lombardi, Mazer, Casper, and everyone at the uh, the development camp. There's a lot of a roster ahead of these guys. You know, they're going to have to earn their spot, which isn't new as Steve Eisman, but... What do you make of the Red Wings' uh, a prospect core, especially with these two new premier uh, first-round picks uh, added just a few days ago? Well, I think it's wonderful. I think the Red Wings are really deep in the, in the pipeline. And uh, it was surprising to me that only Donovan Sobrango was the one to go. I always The only knock on Sobrango, I guess, was his skating a little bit. The way he skated always struck me as, as a little different, but... Um, that besides the point, he's not a Red Wing prospect anymore. Uh, but certainly when I watched development camp and uh, you see Carter Mazur and you see others, you go, that's a player. And, you know, he's putting on weight and he knows that's the main thing that he has to do. And he talked about eating well um, and what he likes to eat. Uh, Casper, you can see it coming. And I'm sure at some point he's going to get some games this year. And again, it depends on health. And, and Mazer too. And boy, Mazer loves to just be a, you know, as Mick would say, a major SD or I'll say a shit disturber, uh, cause that's what it means. And, and that's okay. I'm going to love it. I, I don't know if he's as good at chirping as uh, Kirk Maltby and some of the guys were. Uh, that'll be wonderful. Maybe is that type. And don't forget Maltby was a 50 goal scorer in junior, right? So it doesn't necessarily always translate. But when you, when I watched Mazer at development camp, you could just see it. You could see it from Casper too. You could see it from Sandine Pelica and how well he moved. Even Brennan Ali, uh, you know, I, I was a little bit surprised to see him and he, he stood out quite a bit. So there were, there were many in that camp that you go, you know, this, this is really deep. And yet in that deal with only Sobrango going surprised me where uh, it wasn't a Willinder or it wasn't a Johansson. Uh, going, but for Sobrango, at least he goes home. So maybe that was part of it too. And maybe Ottawa wanted him and is, is playing on that just like the Red Wings do on comp, uh, cop and comp for and others. All right, Ken. Now that the, uh, the grind of everything pre draft, the draft itself, free agency, the Debrinket trade is over. The Winged Wheel podcast is really looking forward to Saturday, August 26th. That's the roast and toast of Thomas Holmstrom and Nicholas Lidstrom, uh, presented by Trinity Health. 
uh, 5.30 p.m. at Motor City Casino. Talk to us about the event. Let us know what we're doing, why it's a roast and toast, and what folks can look forward to there, especially with the auction. Um, you have a, a list of great items. I, I do, and I'll get to that in a second, because there's um, we, 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 we couldn't roast Nick Lidstrom. There's no, nothing to roast him about. Um, but Doc Emmerich, who's the MC, will, will handle a toast for Nick, uh, along with Mark Howe via video. Howe really wanted to be there, but he couldn't. So did Scotty Bowman. But he'll be away on a Disney cruise because he's turning 90. Uh, we were preparing a big cake for Scotty, but that can't happen. But Doc is uh, the MC, and Chris Draper, the new Red Wings assistant general manager, uh, will be uh, on the dais along with um, uh, Steve Ott, uh, Jim Ralph, who's one of the funniest after dinner speakers, and he was part of Mickey's in 2019 and brought the house down, as did Ian Bag. And it's wonderful. I've known Ian for years, and uh, he has a, a podcast too with uh, Glenn Sharples. Uh, he's got a podcast as well. And uh, Ian Bag is a touring comedian for many years, and he's friends with so many people in the hockey world and used to play hockey, a big body back in the day in junior. Um, and Ian is now selling out venues of 4,000 and 5,000 nightly and selling out four nights in a row. He's just so funny. He works a crowd like no one else. So, uh, tickets for the event at jamiedanielsfoundation.org are $300 for the, uh, cocktail hour where you can meet and greet everybody who's there and autographs and, and view the silent auction, be part of the live auction and dinner and drinks, etc. And there is a ticket for show only for $125. And I tell people, you know, yes, you can buy a ticket to a hockey game and watch the game, but here you can buy a ticket at roughly in and around the same price and you're, you're, you're with all the guys, you know, and, and Mickey's going to be there and, and Kirk Maltby and Chris Osgood. And we believe if they're in town, Jake Wallman and David Perron, Ben Sherrod, Alex Tangay, Lucas Raymond, Jonathan Berggren. Uh, we're hoping, uh, I've touched base with Alex to bring it and he should be here. Zach Wierenski. Even we don't, we don't mind the, uh, the, the opponents too. If they can be here, I'm hoping Todd Bertuzzi, if he's in town, not Tyler, although I did reach out to Tyler. I'm not sure Tyler is going to feel so welcome here anymore, but I told him, Tyler, if you want to be here, you can be. So many of the current Red Wings will be here and, uh, former Red Wings, and it's just going to be a fantastic night. The live auction items, uh, one of them we've got a, uh, courtesy of Delta Airlines and uh, Delta's jumped on board as one of our sponsors along with Trinity Health. And we really thank them is a trip to Nashville for four people. Okay. Four airline tickets uh, for a Red Wing game in Nashville, courtesy of uh, Delta and then courtesy of Barry Trotz and the Predators. We've got four tickets to the game and, uh, courtesy of Bob Kaiser and not Bob, not Bob, who does the Grand Rapids Griffins games, but another one and pronounced a little, little differently. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Kaiser Gallagher Corporation. Um, he's also given us four, a dinner for four at Bourbon Steak and two executive suites for a couple of nights at JW. So I would say that's a pretty good trip on a live auction item. We also at live auction, we have a beautifully framed Nick Lidstrom signed jersey. And whoever wins that one can come up on stage and we'll take a picture with Nick, uh, with the framed jersey and we'll get that picture taken that night. And Nick can also sign the photo as well. Uh, live auction item also at Grego's, one of my favorite restaurants in downtown Detroit. They'll cook dinner for upwards of a dozen people at the winning bidder's house. And we may have some special guests arrived there too. So another live auction item. Can I read you some of the silent auction items? Give me 90 seconds. Is that good? We'll try to rattle them off. Okay. 
Absolutely, absolutely. The the silent auction items will be available as of about, I'd say, August 13th or so. It'll be up through Gizmart, jamiedanielsfoundation.org. You can find them there. So we've got a canvas of Vladdy signed by Vladdy, a fantastic 72 50th anniversary anniversary Canada-Russia Summit Series. I know you're way too young to have viewed that, but me as a kid watching Mickey Redmond play game one in that and then watching that eight-game series was unbelievable. But there's a 72 anniversary bottle of gin signed by Paul Henderson, who had the last three game-winning goals and the series winner with a half minute to go, and Phil Esposito. And in that bottle of gin is a wraparound photo from that series within the bottle. It is so cool. I wanted another one, but they didn't have one more for me. And then there's that famous goal picture that uh, Paul Henderson had the winning goal in that final game. And uh, the picture signed by Henderson and Vladislav Tretiak of that goal. We've got Gordie Howe vintage signed bobblehead, a couple of Henrik Zetterberg signed bobbleheads as well. We've even got a, a Michael Block, which I know Evan's going to love, signed pin flag from the PGA and hat. So I think Evan may actually want to bid on that. We've got tickets to next year's Rocket Mortgage as well. And there's so much more, but I'll just end on the game-used sticks and jerseys that we have. We've got a Marco Casper signed jersey, courtesy of the Red Wings. We've got a jersey autographed by Austin Matthews, and it's the Justin Bieber Drew House-designed home leaf jersey, as well as a Mitch Marner signed jerseys. And game-used sticks from hmm, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Mo Sider, Dylan Larkin, Andrzej Kopitar, Steven Stamkos, and we are working on getting a game-worn LA Kings Drew Doughty reverse retro jersey. So all of that available um, probably around August 13th or so, well before the night of the dinner, August 26th. So anyone who's not even coming to the dinner uh, can bid on auction items at jamiedanielsfoundation.org through GiveSmart. You can sign up and uh, we really hope to see you there. Mingle with the stars of the NHL. Um, we always say we like to laugh with a purpose because uh, Jamie's laugh was infectious and that's what we're doing. Our fourth celebrity roast. It's been Mickey. It's been Brett Hall. It's been Scotty Bowman. And now we're roasting Thomas Holmstrom, who's just a little bit nervous. Uh, and we're toasting the Glitstrom. But you can say hi to all of them firsthand. So we hope to see you there at Motor City Casino, August 26th. And take it from me, folks, having been to one of these events in the past, uh, it is really, really cool being right next to the NHLers. Uh, you know, rubbing shoulders with them. They're really approachable, uh, always ready to have a good time, have a laugh. And so uh, really well worth it. Get your tickets. They are going fast. Uh, JamieDanielsFoundation.org. Ken, thank you so much. Uh, really, really appreciate it. Looking forward to seeing you in August. I'm sure Evan's going to be sprinting there to bid on some of those things. Uh, and thanks for joining us on the show today. Thanks, Ryan. And uh, for all you guys do, keep up the great work. Thanks so much. Welcome back. That was our conversation with Ken Daniels. We really hope to see you all at the Roast and Toast, and also those uh, silent auction items are outstanding, so make sure you get your bids in. Let's get to some Red Wings news that came down the pipeline today. Nate Danielson, this year's uh, top pick for the Red Wings, ninth overall, signed his three-year entry-level contract, just the standard $950,000 cap hit. Oh, thank God. It's getting a little worried there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> you thought they might break the rules and, you know, break the cap? Yeah, I wasn't sure it was going to happen, you know? Oh, oh a little, yeah. I know. a little worried there for a moment. So Nate Danielson, obviously a CHL player, Canadian player out of uh, the WHL. He is subject to the CHL-NHL agreement, which means there are certain rules and stipulations around where he can and can't play this season. So 
unless Danielson surprises and makes the Red Wings out of camp, and we'll talk about that possibility in a second, he is uh, going back to the WHL this season. It's his fourth season in the CHL, uh, and after this season, he'll be eligible to play in the AHL next season. So he also turns 20 next year, and this is his fourth CHL season. So for those two reasons, he is going to uh, complete the fulfillment for the CHL side, but for this upcoming season, he is not eligible to play in the AHL. So for fans who uh, remember Michael Rasmussen, that whole thing where he had to play in the NHL before he could play in the AHL, this is a similar situation, but it shouldn't affect Danielson's progression too much in my mind. No, uh, Danielson being a late birthday in the draft is a little bit different than Rasmussen's situation because after Rasmussen was drafted, he had two more years before he was eligible for the AHL. He went back to junior for one more year. And uh, unlike Danielson, uh, Rasmussen is built like a monster. So he physically dominated that league to the point where his development felt almost stunted there. And then he had to get rushed to the NHL, which also turned out to be a bad thing. Um, Won't have that issue with Danielson. You know, we can almost write it in pen that he will be back with Brandon this year. He will play almost 32 minutes a game for that team probably. And hopefully have a huge season. And then the year after, go to Grand Rapids, get his feet wet there. And then hopefully the year after that is a full-timer in Detroit. What are the chances, and just for the sake of conversation, what are the chances he comes into camp and surprises? Based on what you know of Nate Danielson as a player, late birthday, he comes into camp, makes some noise, and let's say what are the chances he makes the roster for a few games, or what are the chances he actually makes the roster and sticks based on the Red Wings now and Danielson the player? Do you want my optimistic view? I want your view. My, I'll give you my optimistic view. Slim to none. And the optimistic part is slim because the real me thinks it's none. One, it, do you know how many injuries it would take for that to even really become an option? Danielson played on an awful WHL team. He's still got a long way to go in his development de- despite being a late birthday, hence why I'm giving him still two years to the NHL in all likelihood. You know, he's he's 6'1", but he's not a thick 6'1". So physically, I don't know if he'd be able to keep up with the NHL yet. And he, he's got to have a year where he just dominates. Like, you know, Rasmussen was dominating junior. Like, he was physically dominating those kids, which is what created the whole conundrum. Danielson hasn't had that yet. His production wasn't bad, but it wasn't overwhelming last year. So he's definitely got room to grow within that league. And if you're not dominating the WHL, you're not playing in the NHL. No chance. So from a skill standpoint, I don't think he's there yet. From a physical standpoint, I don't think he's there yet. And from a, there's got to be a spot for him. I don't think that's there either. Uh, how often have we talked in when training camp's happening about, oh, this rookie looks really good, this guy looks really good, but then the pros who are on the team who aren't all that great just make it look so easy. That's yeah, like the the young guys really have to beat out those seasoned pros and. It's really hard to do because those guys have sort of been there, done that. It's not their first training camp. They're not star-studded by any means. If he does make the team, holy crap, there'll be a clip of me somewhere that (laughs) That, they'll bring up. That would have to be the, like, preseason and training camp to end all preseasons and training camps. Like, it's not like a few years ago where rookies were coming into Detroit and still not making the team and couldn't beat out, you know— the thought of Justin Ablicator or the ghost of Franz Nielsen. Like, there's actually good, talented players 
in all 14 projected forward positions on this team. Like the Red Wings are healthy scratching good NHL players on opening night this year. So for Danielson to not only beat out those two guys, then a third guy to actually pull out of the lineup, which means they have to waive somebody. It's either uh, injuries or the greatest training camp any rookies ever had for the Red Wings. I don't think it's crazy for him, for them to see enough from him where they're like, okay, let's let's give him nine games and then we'll slide his contract just because we want him to get that sniff. Again, if, without injuries though. How many he, players are waiver eligible right now? If he does enough and the injuries are there and, and, and. This the also like the other big and here is, you know, Carter Mazer is probably going to come in and make a lot of noise. Marco Casper is going to come in and make a lot of noise. You don't know what all of these talented players. We keep talking like the Red Wings have one of the best prospect pools in the NHL. They don't have much by way of elite elite talent. There's no Connor Bedard in there. Well, Connor Bedard's not even part of Chicago's prospect pool. He's like one of their best players, if not their best player right now. But they do have a lot of very 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 good players who are chomping at the bit to get to the NHL. We haven't even mentioned Elmer Soderblom. Right, and who had who played a, a good played chunk on this of the team. season. Yeah, made the team out of camp. Yeah. So not only does he need those injuries to happen, he also needs to beat out his peers who have varying levels of more experience than him and are also very talented players. But I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I think it's a slim chance. But I do see a potential, even though narrow, narrow, narrow reality where, yeah, we see Danielson for a few games at some point. You never know. Injuries happen, and there would have to be a lot of them. It but do- it could happen. Yeah, you do see the path to the the path to his development is laid out for those reasons that you stated, Brad. The year in the CHL, hopefully he has a competitive season. Maybe he gets moved to a contending team. The year in the AHL, or at least that's when he moves to pro hockey, and then that's the point where he's challenging to get into the lineup one way or another. One other thing I want to point out here, and this one, uh, Prashant Iyer, good friend of the show and a host of uh, Expected by Whom, he pointed out that this sets the Red Wings up to be able to slide his contract twice. So a, uh, a contract slide is where the team essentially moves the official start of the contract by a year so that the three-year entry-level contract doesn't kick in uh, until that next season. So there's various parameters based on age, et cetera, on how often or how many times you can slide in an entry-level contract. And with, as Danielson is positioned now, they can they can slide twice consecutively. So they can do this year and next year, which means we might not see the end of Danielson's first contract for five seasons. Perfect. Better, right? Like this is the type of cap gymnastics that you have to do to offset the Justin Holes and Ben Gerard's of the world. Yeah. When you, when you have big contracts for players where you, you, you're not likely to extend them for as much money and you have to wait for them to come off the books, you need talent for cheap. And, you know, Danielson with a contract slide once, if not twice, then you have a potentially really talented Danielson who has had, you know, four or five years of development at an entry-level cap hit, which is exactly what you want if you're the Detroit Red Wings. Because their window is not right now. That's correct. All right. That's Nate Danielson's ELC. A prospect that we should probably remind folks about. We get a uh, lot of questions about him. Dmitry Bachelnikov, second round pick from the 2022 NHL draft for the Detroit Red Wings. 
highly talented Russian forward who is obviously playing behind the uh, veil of, you know, Russia. It's very hard to kind of get insight or a lot of information about players over in Russia right now. And folks have been asking, why don't we talk about him more? And one, yeah, the Russia thing makes it so there is a little bit of uncertainty as to when he'll come over or if. But the second part is he is signed there through the 2024-2025 season. So plain and simple, we're not seeing him this year and we're not seeing him next year. It's only after that where, where Bichelnikov could potentially come over. So there's quite a bit of time. Not to say that we shouldn't, you know, give you some more updates on him. So still seems to be potentially one of the uh, higher upside in terms of offensive boom prospects that the Red Wings have. You're just not going to get the same kind of hype around him that, you know, an Amadeus Lombardi will have because he comes over, participates in the development camps, plays for Flint. So it's all very local. Meanwhile, Bichelnikov is like, mm, yeah. You don't get this guy free from uh, from Russia for another two seasons. Yeah, and it's not like he's been blowing the door off every team that he's played against in the MHL to the point where it's, people are foaming at the mouth to get him over here. Uh, he hasn't been bad. He has been good, don't get me wrong, but not to that level of he has to be here now or else we're wasting him. Yeah. And in other Red Wings news, Chris Draper has officially been named in addition to Director of Amateur Scouting Assistant general manager. That $1 deal for Chris Draper that was made all those years ago is uh, that much more beneficial and fruitful for the Red Wings. So Draper has worked his way up through Red Wings management from uh, special assistant to the GM, I believe it was, assistant to the general manager. Wow. Yeah. To, uh, you know, he was obviously named director of amateur scouting not too long after Eisenman came in and now also an assistant general manager. So we'll, uh, we'll have a chat with Chris as to what that entails and his movement up, but... Good to see from Draper. I don't think they're paying him a dollar. No, I don't. Think, <laughs> they they acquired his contract for a dollar back in the day. <laughs> Multiple but, dollars he's being yeah, paid. With, uh, with inflation, I have to imagine that Chris is making more than a couple dollars. Would think so, yeah. Yeah. Although he did uh, tell me before that he loves a twilight round of golf, and those are half price, so it doesn't have to be too much. Oh, you two are kindred spirits. That's right. Well, I don't like twilight rounds. It's just when I have to play. Fair enough. All right, and in uh, quasi-Red Wings news, Philip Zadina, no longer actual Red Wings news, but uh, as we said, it wasn't going to take him long to find a roster spot in the NHL, signed a one-year, $1.1 million contract with the San Jose Sharks. That is his uh, try-it contract where he's going to try to prove his worth. He's in RFA with Arbrights at the end of it, so not a complete UFA, but he's hoping to go to San Jose blow the you know roof off the place and then obviously earn a much bigger contract. Yeah, and if San Jose is unsuccessful in moving Eric Carlson, you know, maybe maybe he'll finally get teed up properly on the power play. Could be. I still maintain that he was teed up plenty well in Detroit. He just had no his his window for shooting was so narrow. But you know what? We don't have to have this argument anymore. No, we do not. Because both was true. He very rarely got teed up properly. When he did, he still sent it 17 feet wider than that. But <laughs> Man of the people. Shades of Timu Polkinen. Oh, man. No, Polkinen, I remember a few of those going in. Maybe one or two, yeah. If you're sitting behind the glass, there's no way you didn't flinch while Polkinen was shooting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, why don't we wrap this one up and head into overtime? Overtime again, again is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Patreon.com slash winged real podcast if you want to go above and beyond and support the show by joining the Dub Dub Club. The bonus overtime episodes, the Patreon exclusive Discord, and automatically entered into all of our giveaways. 
You allow us to do things like support the Jamie Daniels Foundation, run Winged Wheel Podcast Nights at the LCA, and uh, expand the Winged Wheel Podcast content universe through shows like Expected by Whom. Let's take some questions from our patrons. This one from B Knight. This is a, kind of an interesting one. It says, if a time traveler came from the future and could tell you the next time the Wings won the cup, would you want to be told? No, absolutely not. Yes. I'm you, putting future bets on that. <laughs> you're making money off this. Oh, yeah. Oh, I really want to make money off this. That's oh, just you yeah. all the time. The Red Wings turn into like the souped up 90s version of them where they were so obviously the favorites to win the cup by the time they actually do they were like minus 800 <laughs> before the season so I've been spending a million dollars to win like 80 bucks yeah uh, Give Woman the Heart says I think Bear Grin's performance next season is more crucial to this team's success than people realize who would you like to see him on a line with in order to maximize his potential well for maximizing his potential uh, Larkin into Brinkett yeah but within what I think the team might actually do I think his best case scenario of what he's likely looking at would be Comfren Perron, but even I'm doubtful that happens. I'm as long as he makes it to the middle six, I think that's a strong season for Berggren. It's a lot to ask for a player of his size and stature to come in and, and take the grind of an 82 game season, getting the kind of matchups that a top six player does. It doesn't happen very often and not to say he's not talented enough to do it, but he does have a ways to go, even if it's not all entirely visible, especially on the score sheet. So if he makes it as a bonafide middle six player where there's no question that he's going to come out of the lineup at the end of the season, I'll call that successful. Okay, this one from Beer League Defenseman says P88 or P92. Can you break down both curves curves for a newer player and which would you recommend? Also, I have a tendency to send my shots over the top of the net from all distances, more frequently than I would like. Any tips to keep them down? Brad, equipment is you. Okay, so I will give you a bit of, you know, inside baseball here. P92, not only because I think it's a better curve, it's the one I use myself, um, because most brands are discontinuing P88 uh, on a lot of their models because it is not a popular curve anymore, and P28 and P92, or P29, it's the same curve, uh, from different brands, um, are 90% of retail sales. So you might as well get used to the one of those two because you're going to be using them forever. P92, mostly a mid-curve with enough hook in the toe that when you develop a proper, you know, toe release shot, like the modern way of shooting, um, it'll work very, very well for you. But it's not too big of a curve like the P28, so you can still get a usable backhand out of it. And uh, yeah, P88 is a little easier to control, but it also has less advantages to it so i don't know the most pop i'll leave it this way the most popular curve in the nhl are p92 and variations of the p92 so i trust the nhlers more than i would myself merrick says hey guys with all with all the talk about playoff chances it has me wondering how many more seasons can we really expect tampa boston and toronto to be playoff locks starting the year boston may lose bergeron or bergeron and or Krejci this year and tampa has been bleeding talent from the cap squeeze so Tampa has lost a lot of talent, but one thing they haven't lost is many, if any, of their premium players. Vasilevsky, Kucherov, Stamkos, uh, Hedman, Sorelli, Sergachev, eh, Point, they're not going anywhere anytime soon. I think Tampa's floor is very high for a long time still. Um, 
Are they going to be cup winners every year? No, you can only lose so many McDonough's and Kalorns before, you know, it, it kind of brings you back down to the pack. Toronto is interesting because the core of their team isn't old. So they, in theory, should also have a high floor for a pretty substantial amount of time. But there is a lot of interesting contract situations. So Toronto could either hold this up for another five to 10 years or they could be done by next summer. I don't think that's particularly likely, but it's possible. Boston is the big, they they could go off a cliff any season now. They're they're on the precipice, depending what happens with Bergeron and Krejci and can Allmark repeat. You know, they, they probably still got a couple more good seasons in them because Pasternak's not going anywhere, although he's going to be taking up a substantial amount of the cap now. Marshan's well into his mid-30s. You know, McAvoy's still relatively young, but if anything's if anybody's going off a cliff soon, it's the Bruins. Jonah Blatt says, howdy fellas, obviously over the moon that we have someone who's able to score at an elite clip, but as you guys have said, there's more that needs to be added in the goals department. What do you think that ends up looking like? Are you hoping that Raymond, Casper, or one of the other kids provide it? Or do you think we'll have to be active in the 2024 UFA market for a pretty good but not elite goal scorer to fill the void? Okay, I hate free agency. You almost never get good value in free agency, but it's an option. Free agency is kind of where you go to get your depth more often than not. Because the actual good top-end players, they don't make it to free agency. Their teams keep them or they trade them in a sign-in trade because they're going to maximize value. But yeah, I the Red Wings do not have enough premium offensive talent in their system to rely on just their system. Yes, they need Danielson, Casper, and Mazur to hit. They have to. It's unfair to put that much pressure on those kids, but they have to. But they are still at least another Alex to bring it away in trade or free agency from really, truly contending. And I think whoever the next Alex to bring it you get is probably needs to be better than Alex to bring it. I'll say the answer is yes to all. They need to add more and that the growth has to come from within. For the points Brad made, it's not likely that you're going to get all of it from one player. The draft might provide it. You don't know what Bichelnikov is going to be like when he comes over that type of player. Something else needs to happen. Free agency is a longer shot, but you can use it to add incrementally. So I'm not necessarily certain that it needs to be another Debrinket, but the sum has to be at least that. And the, the Red Wings don't have a lot of leeway by way of saying, oh yeah, Raymond can suck. Or Raymond can be 60% of the player he thought he, he we thought he could be, and all of a sudden they're still just fine. No, they really need their most important players to to pan out. Upper East Sider says, any concerns that a Debrinket, Larkin, Raymond line may be too small and prone to bullying? Uh, have you watched Dylan Larkin? He doesn't get bullied. No, but you... He takes too many penalties, but that's kind of the opposite of uh, the particular problem presented. But if both of your talented wingers are getting pushed around, I don't think that's an unfair concern. No, but odds are they'll mostly be on the ice with um, substantial defensemen. Yeah. <laughs> Giant sequoias at the blue line. Like who's the smallest defenseman on this team? Six foot one, Ole Mata? Yeah, when, when Sandine Pelica makes the team, he'll be the smallest defenseman. Yeah. Angelo says, how's it feel to be in the Red Wings social media crosshairs pretty officially now? And would you guys do an hour in-person interview with Stevie, but for the first 30 minutes, it's him asking you for reasoning about every time you questioned, questioned his moves with an Arizona lost death stare. Hell yeah. Let's do it. If that's what it takes. We can, we can handle that. Yeah. You could. 
You have a steely face. You deliver a, a Stevie cold stare like no one else. I've had people more mad at me than Steve Eisman was mad about the Red Wings in Arizona. So I'll be okay. At you? It probably wasn't even my fault. <laughs> no, no, it never, never is. Never your fault. All right, folks, uh, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. Thank you all so very much for tuning in. It uh, means the world. We have a lot coming up this off season. We'll give you some updates on uh, what's coming up for next year. Uh, we have some really good interviews coming up as well. So stay tuned to all of our listeners. Thank you so much for the sponsors uh, of this episode, Manscaped. We really, really appreciate you sponsoring the show. Uh, to our listeners, new and old, if you don't want to support on Patreon or can't, another way you can support us is by leave a rating and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google. Uh, it all makes a big difference for us. And to all of our patrons, thank you. To our name level supporters on Patreon, we can't say thank you enough. Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Akefer, Samuel Soderholm, Raymond's Missing Tooth, Brad's Lord and Savior, Bradley Cleveland, Glenn Brabham, Barnsey, a broken man on a Halifax pier. It's <laughs> a good one. Keenan O'Donoghue, Yanni Burgers, Meals on Wheels. Matthew M. Rice, Croner's Left Knee, Actual Garbage, Brad's version. Admiral Matt S. of the Cheesebag Navy. Babe Landiscog, Carl Brutinanenaluski, Carzone 13, Citizen High Five, Clip Clop Nene, Connor Scovey, Cooking with Kosa, Coyote Season Tickets and Anywhere But Tempe, Craig Kibble, Denny's Gamer Girl, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Give Blood, Fight Probert, Hockey Town Love, Hockey Town Matt, Hassam Al Qasem, Jay Gollum, Jacob Turner, Joel Miranda, Kaylin Wood, King Tone, Larkin the Cat, and Raymond walk into a bar. Marcus, Matt McKay, Michael Edland, Prashanth the Goalie Truther, Ayerzerman, RA Red Three, Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin. That's what I appreciate about you. The Mexanadian, Wallman's Elite Dancing D, Iser Plan Stan, General Andy Bohan of the Cheesebag Army, Sam Bankson, AA Ron, Adam Rose, Big Cheese. Brad Simmons, Brian Vasha, Captain Antonio Gracias of the United Federation of Cheesebags, Chuck Buffchest, the Tarpless Goon, Commander Ben Barron of the Cheesebag Space Force, Connor, Connor Leighton, Corey Prida, Kringleberg, brand new name level sponsor, welcome to the show, Darren Fick, Elite uh, Elite Defenseman Jonathan Erickson Fan Club, that's a, that's a rich one, Frank Stanley, Gene Sullivan, Griffey Boy, I'm from Firkin Waterloo where the vampires hang out. Instructions unclear, Cheesebag no longer fresh, James Laporte, James Pridemore, Jeremiah Dobo, J.M. Rhapsody, John Evans, John Ingalls, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Linda Hall, Maximilian, Melissa Erickson, Norris Sider, Ophelia, Pavel Duck Soup, remember to listen to Expected by Whom after this episode, Shahid Syed, Stephen Tatarsas, The Hodag, and The Hat123, as well as your second favorite patron. Thank you all so very much. We'll talk to you Sunday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.